welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. You know, an unknown writer once said about the Bible, this book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. Well, the Apostle Paul says of the Bible that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, in the midst of what was the gloom that had settled upon the earth, during the period that has been come to be known as the Dark Ages, God's word and his truth was not about to be entirely extinguished. You see, in every age, there has always been witnesses for God, men and women who cherished faith in Christ as the only mediator between God and man, and who held the Bible as the only rule of faith and the rule for life. The church today owes a great deal to the conviction of these steadfast Christians. They had been branded as heretics. Their motives were questioned. Their characters maligned. Their writings suppressed and misrepresented or even mutilated. Yet they stood firm. And from age to age, they maintained their faith in its purity as a sacred heritage that was to be passed on for the generations to come. Now, one such group were the Waldenses. To avoid the persecutions to which they had been subjected to in France, they fled and they ended up settling in the valleys of Piedmont and where they grew in numbers and flourished for a considerable time. These God-fearing Christians, they were harmless they returned their tithes to the Roman clergy. But in spite of all of this, they were considered heretics. But why? Well, first, they did not believe in the doctrines of the Church of Rome. They made no offerings or prayers for the dead. They didn't go to Mass. They did not confess and receive absolution. 
And they did not believe in purgatory or did they pay any money to get the souls of their friends out of purgatory? You see, so for not conforming to the beliefs of the Roman church, many of these paid with their lives. One such reformer was Caitlin Gerard. The story says that while he was at the stake, he asks the executioner to give him a stone, which he refused, thinking that, well, he was going to take that stone and throw it at somebody. But Gerard assured him that he had no design whatsoever of throwing the stone. The executioner complied. Gerard then gets this stone. He's looking earnestly at the stone and he says, When it is in the power of a man to eat and digest this solid stone, the religion for which I am about to suffer shall have an end and not before. He then threw the stone to the ground and he submitted cheerfully to the flames. You see, the faith that was taught by these Waldensian Christians was in marked contrast to the false doctrines being put forth by the apostate church. Their religious belief was founded upon the written word of God, which is the true system of Christianity. But these humble peasants and their obscure retreats, shut away from the world and involved in the daily toil of caring for their flocks and their vineyards. They had not arrived at the truth in opposition to the dogmas and heresies of the apostate church by themselves. This was not a new faith to them. This faith, well, it had been passed down to them by their ancestors. This church in the wilderness, as it came to be called, this was the true church of Christ. Not the proud hierarchy on display in the world's great capitals. The Waldenses, they were the guardians of the truth. They were among the first people in Europe to have a translation of the Holy Bible. Hundreds of years Hundreds of years before the Reformation, they possessed the Bible in manuscript in their own native tongue. They had in their position, possession the unadulterated truth. And this, well, this made them special objects of hatred and persecution by the church. Under the pressure of persecution... Well, some compromised their faith, but others didn't. They held fast to the truth. In the mountains, in, in the very remote regions, the Waldenses, they found a hiding place. And there they kept the light of truth burning amid the darkness of what was the Middle Ages. Here, there, for, for a thousand years, these witnesses of truth maintained the faith. You see, to those faithful exiles, the mountains, well, they served as a symbol of the undeniable righteousness of God. They pointed their children to the heights towering above them and, and spoke to them of a God with whom there is no unpredictability and whose word was as enduring as those majestic mountains. 
God had set fast the mountains and had girded them with strength. No arm but that of an infinite power could move them out of their place. In the same way, God established his law. He established his truth, the foundation of his government in heaven and upon earth. Man might teach each other to destroy their lives, but no man could change one precept of the law of God. Not a man, not one man could blot out one of the promises made to those who will do God's will. You see, the mountains that, that's, that surrounded them were a constant witness to God's creative power and a never-failing assurance of his protection. Those wilderness pilgrims learned to love the silent symbols of God's presence. They thanked God that, that he had provided for them an asylum from the wrath and from the cruelty of the church. They rejoiced in their freedom to worship God. Many times when they were being pursued by their enemies, the hills became this formidable defense. And from those mountaintops, they would chant praises to God. And the armies of Rome could not silence them. These followers of Jesus, they were pure, they, they were simple, but they were fervent in their faithfulness to Christ. They valued the principles of truth. They, they valued it above houses and land and friends and relatives, and they valued it even above life itself. They worked passionately to impress upon the hearts of of the young, of their children, these, these principles of truth. From the earliest age, the, the young would be, would be taught the Bible. They would be taught to respect the law of God. You see, copies of the Bible were rare. And so Bible verses would be memorized. And, and many of the young and, and some of the older, would they'd be able to repeat from memory large portions of both the Old and the New Testament. The Waldenses, you see, they had sacrificed their worldly prosperity for the sake of God's truth. Economy and, and self-denial. That was part of the curriculum that they would teach their children. In their purity, in their simplicity, their churches, well, they resembled the churches of the apostles' time. They rejected the supremacy of the Pope. They held the Bible as the only supreme, infallible authority. Their pastors, unlike the priests of Rome, they followed the example of Jesus, leading them to the green pastures of His Holy Word. These believers assembled not in magnificent churches or in grand cathedrals, they assembled beneath the shadows of the mountains in the alpine valleys or in times of danger in some rocky stronghold to listen to the words of truth from the servants of Christ. Their pastors not only preached, but they visited the sick. They taught the children. They, they mediated disputes and 
They promoted harmony and brotherly love. And in times of peace, the pastors would be sustained by the free will offerings of the people. But like Paul the tent maker, each pastor learned some trade or, or some profession by which, if it was necessary, he would be able to provide for his own support. But the Bible, the Bible was made the main curriculum. The Gospels of Matthew and John were committed to memory, as long with many of the epistles. Young people, they would be employed in copying the scriptures. Now, some of the manuscripts contained the whole Bible, while others only brief selections. And some simple explanations of the text would be added by those who were able to explain the scriptures. This patient, tireless labor, sometimes in the deep, dark caves by the light of torches, the sacred scriptures were written out by hand, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. While the Waldenses regarded the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, they weren't blind to the importance of learning. From their schools in the mountains, some of the young people were sent to the institutions of learning in the major cities of France or, or in Italy. They were not to make confidence of any. Their clothing would be altered as to conceal these precious manuscripts of the scriptures, the fruit of months and years of hard work. And they would carry these portions of scripture with them. And whenever they could, you know, without drawing any suspicion, they would cautiously place some portion of the scriptures in the way of those who seemed to be open to receive the truth. From very early on, these Waldensian youth, they had been trained with this purpose in view. They, they understood their work. They understood their purpose and they faithfully performed it. Many believers came to accept the truth in these universities, in these institutions of learning. And frequently, these teachings, well, they would be, begin to permeate the entire school and the papal leaders would wonder where it came from and they could not trace the source you see that was the spirit of these christians you see they felt that god required more of them than just to preserve the truth in its purity they believed they had a solemn responsibility a responsibility rested upon them to let this light shine forth to those who were in darkness. And in essence, they would then break the bondage which Rome had imposed upon them. Their ministers were trained as missionaries. Everyone who expected to enter the ministry was first required to gain experience as an evangelist. And the spirit of Christ, you see, is a missionary spirit. Matthew chapter 28, we read, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, according to Jesus, the primary task of the church is to make disciples. You and I, we're to help people be born into the Christian life. And that happens through what we call conversion, which simply means turned around. Turned away from the inadequate centers of meaning and turned toward God, the one we have met in Jesus, so that God now becomes the center of our lives. That's what we mean when we say someone was converted or they were saved or or born again. That's the first essential part of the making disciples task. Now, the second part of the process, just as essential, is to help people grow up. The goal, you see, is to help people become mature adult Christians. And both parts are essential to the Christian life. You see, you can't grow up unless you've been born. That's true. But at the same time, there's something sad about someone who is born but yet never grows up. The task of a Christian disciple is to learn from and to live all of life in the light of what God has shown us throughout history, biblical history and and history like we've seen today in the lives of these Waldenses, persecuted for centuries, yet they continued to send out their missionaries. They continued to spread the truth. They were hunted to death. Their blood watered the seed sown, and it did not fail. The Waldenses witnessed for God centuries before the birth of Luther. They were scattered over many lands. They planted the seeds of the Reformation that began in the time of Wycliffe, grew broad and deep in the days of Luther, and is to be carried forward to the close of time by all those who are willing to suffer all things for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, you and I, we are called first to be disciples, and then we are called to make disciples. So every Christian is simultaneously both a learner and a teacher. Through the New Testament, we are to live with Jesus every day, listening to him, learning from him. Then we are to live our lives as faithful followers so that all who look at us we'll know that we are learning from Jesus, that increasingly our lives look and our lives sound like Jesus. And that, all of that, 
is of first importance to us. You see, then, seeing the authenticity and the meaning of that, they too will be called to become his disciples. If you want that for your life, if you want every day to be growing into a mature adult disciple, well, there are numerous experiences available to help us with that. We have worship times. We have Bible classes. We have prayer opportunities, retreat experiences, mission outreach. You don't have to travel very far to plug into a quality growth experience. Come out and visit me at my church. Visit the website, l4ltv.com. It'll give you the details. It'll tell you where I'll be. Come out. Study with us. Worship with us. Join us on one of our mission trips overseas. MissionNowCanada.com and share the, the blessings that God has so gracefully and so lovingly provided with us with those that are less fortunate than us. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for you and for me and for our families unless we make it a priority. You see, we have to be ready to say, this is important and I want to grow up in maturity in Christ. I want to become all that God has created me to be. We have to say, and I'm prepared to do whatever is necessary to make that happen. Let me tell you something. It's not a matter of too little time. I, forgive me for being blunt, but that's not a reason not having time. It's an excuse. Each of us is issued the same 24 hours each day. And each day, we have to decide how are we going to invest those 24 hours. And the fact is, we find a way to take care of that which is important to us. We just do. Well, the good news is that we're not on this journey on our own. Jesus has promised to be with us and to give us everything we need. To me, that's one of the most beautiful promises in all the pages of Scripture. Whatever Christ calls us to do, He gives us the grace to do it. And He is with us as we do it. He promises. Remember. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You know, someone has suggested that when you and I one day stand before God to give account of our lives, He will ask us but one question. He will ask, well, what did you do with it? What did you do with it? Did you die before you got around to growing up? Or did you become a committed, mature, growing, adult disciple of Jesus? I know what the Waldenses will answer. I know what I want to be able to say. How about you? 
let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example of faithful, God-fearing Christians like the Waldenses that show us the importance of sticking to truth and clinging to Jesus above everything. Father, I pray for all viewers right now, anyone that is watching right now that is committing their life to Jesus, may you receive them, bless them, and encourage them, and strengthen them in this journey that begins today and continues until the day they meet Jesus face to face. Father, bless each and every viewer that right now is renewing their commitment to Jesus. Continue to be with them also and bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to that point in the program where we have our offer for you. And today, uh, we have an offer. We've, we've, we've offered this one before. It's a little book called The Great Hope. It's actually some excerpts taken out of a larger book called The Great Controversy. And some of you have asked, well, why don't we send out The Great Controversy? Well, it's just, it's a little bit easier to send this one given its size and some very important information in here that we want to share with you. If you'd like to receive this as a gift from Lessons for Living Television, pay close attention to the information you're about to hear. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website www.l4ltv.com That's the Lessons for Living Television website www.l4ltv.com You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario L1G 0A3 That's Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate all of the comments, the feedback, the gifts you send, the financial gifts. We want to thank you for those. Let your friends know that the program is on so that they can tune in each and every week. If you missed any of the episodes or you want to refer these programs, you can always go to our website, l4ltv.com. All of the previous programs are listed there. Uh, you can share that with your friends. Uh, you can find out where I will be appearing, which weeks I'll be at my church. It's under live appearances. Come out. Come out and spend some time with us. Come out and study with us and worship with us. Uh, we'd love to have you. Follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every morning, we put out a one-minute devotional video, and many, many people have said to me, that's how they start their day. They get their cup of coffee, and they sit, and they watch that little devotional. It's a great way of just kickstarting your day. Follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Want to remind you also of our missionnowcanada.com website, which is the part of the ministry that does overseas mission work. If you've never been on one of those mission trips, check it out. 
You can sign up on the website and for the newsletter and for some information. I'll be happy to email all of the information about our upcoming mission trip with you so you can have that. Well, we are all out of time. We hope to be able to do this again real soon with you. We hope that you will join us. Until then, God bless you. We'll see you back here real soon.